God, we've offered our best music, our best singing, worn our best. We offer these words. We pray they are our best, that we might give our best words back to you and to others. Help us hear what we need to hear so that we might be changed, shaped more like Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Mildred was the church gossip. She was also the self-appointed authority of the church's morals. She kept sticking her nose in other members' private lives, though, and they were not appreciative of her activities, but they feared her enough that they remained silent. She made a mistake, though, when she accused George, new member of the church, of being an alcoholic because she saw his pickup truck parked in the front of the only bar in town one afternoon. She commented to George and to others after seeing it that everyone would know what he's doing in there. George, man of few words, did not deny it, did not defend himself, did not complain. He just stared at her for a few moments and walked away saying nothing. But later that evening, George quietly parked his pickup truck in front of Mildred's house and left it there all night. <laughs> I hope that's a true story. Have you ever said something you soon regretted and wished you had the power to pull those words back in? We all have. Or we've let our emotions get the best of us and they found an outlet through our mouth. Or better yet, these days, our emotions get the best of us and they find an outlet through our Facebook post or Snapchat account or our Twitter feed or a text or an email. We try to delete it. Maybe you do, but maybe you don't delete it in time, enough eyes have seen it, and you wish you could pull your words back in. Well, take comfort if you've done that before. In chapter 2, James says, basically, no one is perfect. No one is perfect. Everyone makes mistakes in all areas of life. But it seems the tongue is involved in the majority of the mistakes we make. Am I right? The tongue seems to be involved in the majority of mistakes we make. Now James has just made a case that fewer people should be teachers. And that no one is perfect. And that we're prone to sin. Then he says, verbal sins, communication sins are especially destructive. He gives some examples that Leah read a moment ago. 
they would have understood these back then. The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes a big boast. Consider that a great forest is set on fire by a small spark, he says. He says, when we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships, although they are so large and driven by such strong winds, they can be steered by a very small rudder. Each example he gives highlights the negative power of the tongue. Even those that may sound positive when paralleled with the human tongue are anything but positive. The point is, we should never, ever underestimate the damage that can be done through careless and mean-spirited speech. A bit, a rudder, and a tongue. They're all alike in one way, in their power. But each is small, especially compared to the thing they are attached to. And yet, each one produces great effect. A tiny bit controls a massive horse. A small rudder controls an enormous ship. A little tongue can control the entire course of a person's life. Now, if I were to ask you, what's the most important word we hear in this passage? We, of course, would say the tongue by word count. Turns out, though, it's less about the body part and more about what it does. What does the tongue do? Obey is the key word. Obey. The horse obeys the bit. The boat obeys the rudder. Your life obeys the tongue. But look closer. Isn't the bit controlled by the rider? Isn't the rudder controlled by the captain? Isn't the tongue controlled by the person? Or do we have ours under control? James says, a small fire is tended and controlled by people, but it can quickly burn out of control. Recently, you've heard about the fires. At least 15 states have had wildfires this summer, burning a total of 1.3 million acres. One of those was the car fire in California. It burned over 126,000 acres of land by itself. And do you know how it started? A flat tire. It started from a flat tire. When someone's vehicle tire went flat, the steel wheel hit the pavement, causing sparks to fly. A few tiny sparks flew from the flat tire and eventually killed seven people. It ignited those tiny sparks, ignited the sixth most devastating fire in that state's history. 
Fires are notoriously disobedient. And James seems to be saying the human tongue is no different. So why all the negative talk about the tongue, James? After all, the tongue can take your coffee order. I find that good. The tongue can whisper sweet I love yous, right? The tongue has sparked the gospel fire that's been burning over 2,000 years. Why all the negative talk about the tongue? Well, he is writing to a church, isn't he? It's his congregation. There are people misusing their words. People with speech problems, perhaps. Burning up people all around them. There were some teaching heresy. That was spreading through the church. But surely he warns about the dangers of a loose tongue, of bad-mouthing people in the congregation. I'm certain they were bad-mouthing the preacher, James, because that happens. Why so negative about the tongue? Well, some say James was the half-brother of Jesus. And if he was the half-brother of Jesus, then he would know personally the negative power of the tongue. Now apparently he thought, James thought, his brother, Jesus, was a little unbalanced. It says in Mark 3.21, his family went out to restrain Jesus one day because they thought he was, quote, unquote, out of his mind. True story. It was only after the crucifixion and resurrection that James came to believe that Jesus was indeed the Son of God, the one who came to save us. The letter of James opens as James calls himself servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the legend says that shortly after the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. or C.E., that when many Jews were becoming Christians, James was commanded to be silent about Christ, but he refused. And they threw him off the top of the temple to the ground, and as he lay there dying, they stoned him to death. That says something about his commitment to following Christ. So if we were a speculating people, we might guess that the memory of his own words, careless words, spoken about his half-brother, and that his memory of his own careless words perhaps helped him to write one of the most insightful words about the tongue in all of literature. He was wise. Wisdom comes from experience, and a lot of that experience comes with mistakes. So James knows what he's talking about. He became wise because he's made his own mistakes. Think for a moment, though, about the wonder of the power of speech. When we hear a word, it enters the ear. And then the inner ear. It activates 24,000 little nerves, which react through the limbic system 
and results in pituitary glands sending hormones into the body. That means our whole physical bodily system reacts when we hear words. Whether words are of love and caring or condemnation. When we hear words that bring us pain and anxiety, the physical chemical reaction of that takes 72 hours to calm us down. No wonder some people live in a constant state of agitation and being upset. Because words are powerful. They can hurt. They can heal. They can tear down. They can build up. They're powerful. But you think about it, the power of words may have something to do with our own relationship with God. Being created in the image of God, right? Created in the image of God, we speak and worlds are created or destroyed. Wasn't the power of the word God used to create the universe? God said, let there be, and there was. And wasn't it the word that became flesh that brought us salvation? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In fact, John says Jesus spoke so many words. One scholar called it said, wordy is the lamb. Then the author of Hebrews says the word is living and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Those of us created in the image of God have the power of sharp words. The story is told of a man who lived in the Highland village in Scotland he shared a story about another man that he didn't care about. He told a story, though he thought it to be true. He spread, spread it, and it got around the village. Eventually, it utterly destroyed this other man. His family, his job, his integrity, all of it was devastated by that rumor mill. Eventually, he had to leave the village, a ruined and defeated man. As you might have guessed, this fellow who shared this story eventually discovered that it was not true, but false. He had helped an innocent man become a destroyed, defeated man just by using his tongue. He went to his pastor and said, Pastor, I have destroyed an innocent man with my words. And he told the pastor the whole story. So he said, please, pastor, I'm sorry. How can I be forgiven for this? And the pastor said, well, it, it isn't that simple. It isn't going to be that easy. But what I need you to do is take a bag of feathers and go around the village and place one feather in the front yard of every house in our village. And then I want you to come back to me. Well, this fellow thought that's a, a strange request for the pastor to make, but 
He was desperate to be forgiven, so he followed the instructions to the letter. And at last, after he finished, he came back to the pastor and said, Pastor, I've done all that you've asked. I placed a feather in each yard of every house. Now may I be forgiven. Not yet, my son. You must first retrace your steps and bring back to me every feather you placed in the village. But pastor, I could never do that. The wind has carried the feathers away. Yes, the pastor said. It is easier to spread careless words than to get them all back. Your careless words, he said, have destroyed an innocent man. There's a saying that goes, thoughts unexpressed may fall back dead, but even God can't kill words after they're said. Today's scripture is an important test of Christian maturity. Maturity because James talks about wisdom, becoming wise. He encourages wisdom in his letter. And that's learned from experience, from mistakes, from listening, and from practicing. The Apostle Paul says that the Holy Spirit wants to shape us into the image of Christ. Meaning we haven't already arrived. We have a long way to go before we become like Christ. And each time we harm people with our words proves just how far we are from that. I'd like to ask you a question. It's kind of a test, but ask you this question. Knowing this, how am I doing? How am I doing? Listen to what James says. Here's how we evaluate ourselves. If anyone can control his tongue, it proves that he has perfect control over himself in every other way. Perfect control. If we can control the tongue, perfect control over every part of ourselves. Or maybe you have heard it like this. A mature Christian is one who does not hesitate to sell their talking parrot to the town gossip. James wants us not only to make Christ the Lord of our lives, but the Lord of our tongue as well. People are very sensitive to words, just like Bobby said. Six and stones may break my bones, but words never hurt me. We said that as immature children, but as mature Christians, we discover we were wrong because they do hurt. Let's take another test. It's not Monday, I know, and, and it's been so many years since some of us have been to school, but it's just a three-question test, and it's true or false, so it's easy. True or false? I have never hurt another person with my words. Number two, I have never repeated something about another person that I did not know for certain was absolutely true. True or false? I never participate in lazy or casual talk about other people and their lives. If we answered false to any of those, then James is also writing to us. Not a person, no one is innocent misusing our tongues and our words. 
and our thumbs. Our community is full of feathers. It would be impossible to gather all those feathers back. But we may go to the person or the people that we hurt and ask forgiveness. But if James is saying anything today, I think it's this. We may not be able to change the past, but you can start today. Start anew today. The taming of the tongue, as it says, is like taming wild animals. Harder, even. You can't do it overnight. But each morning we have to commit taming of the tongue, listening before speaking, thinking with the heart and the mind first. And only God can change the heart. Won't you let God change your heart today? Let's pray together. These words are powerful, Lord. Creating and destroying. We pray for your help. That as we work on taming our tongue, you will work on the source of our words, our heart. In Christ we pray. Amen.